Connors T. How are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. We are breathing life back into Irish myths with traditional Irish storytelling accompanied by music. My name is Sarika. I'm one of the co-founders of Candlelit Tales. In this episode, you'll be hearing our discussion about the death of Kuroi Magdara, which was live streamed on YouTube. This story was told by Oisin Ryan, so Oisin is joining myself and Aaron for this live stream. We do live stream these conversations on YouTube regularly on Sundays, 7pm Irish time, so you can join in the conversation there if you'd like. And we would not be able to continue to make these podcasts without the support of our patrons, which we're very grateful for. So thank you. If you'd like to contribute, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or share, subscribe, like or leave a review if you like what we do. It all makes a difference. Now sit back and listen to this week's conversation. We are live! Yee-hoo. How are you guys doing, everyone? If you're on here, go over there. We're on, we're live on YouTube. Welcome to another Candlelit Tales storytelling post-show chat. We're here with Oisin Ryan and my sister across over uh, on her own Shafis. And we're going to be talking about the last episode, which was the death of Kuroi McDara. Now, we have a whole death series coming up and we're going to go into the deaths of a lot of Ulster heroes, uh, heroines and the lot, the rest. Before we do that, we want to let you know about a few things that we've got going on this coming week. Now it's heading towards solstice. We're nearly at the end. We're nearly at the darkest time of year. It basically doesn't get bright anymore. It's very hard to do things, but we're doing things. And we are doing things on Tuesday. We're going to Dublin, uh, Dunleary Lexicon, and we're going to be recording a special show for special release across tobeirish.ie across a few different library channels and it's all to celebrate the diaspora and give them something that they can hold on to to make, make them feel proud of Irish when they can't come home to Ireland over Christmas which is a bit strange so if people can't come home to be Irish uh, or proud to be Irish.ie it can be releasing our video which is very nice which is something that was uh, being sponsored by the Department of Foreign Affairs so that's class thanks for getting us involved lads with that all down to people supporting us and word of mouth spreading about us and stuff like that. On Wednesday we're doing something as well. Oshin, we're doing a live stream show with somebody else and a role great people to raise funds for homeless. Go on to our Instagram oh, or yeah. our Facebook and <laughs> I was like, well, I totally forgot about it. I was like, See, the Tuesday one superseded the Wednesday one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all been a bit last minute. But it's great because we're going to be raising money. Every year we raise money for some charity. And this year we're, we're helping uh, a group of people out that is raising money for homeless, which is a very important thing to be doing and focusing on at the moment. Uh, and last but not least, the last thing I want to mention is something that's very close to my heart, very close to some people's hearts, not your guys's, because... You're not sports fans, but Limerick won the All-Ireland final today and it was amazing. It was brilliant. They were fucking great. They're an amazing team. And my brother was watching in Guatemala. So the Irish diaspora across the world were tuning in and watching an epic game hurling and watching Limerick win what should have been a three in a row. But they only won one, two in three years because they didn't win last year. Fucking ref. The ref screwed them, lads. The ref screwed them. But it was important to tune in to the fact that a lot of Irish people across the world were tuning in to a, a, an Irish sport played today in December. Mental madness. Weird altogether. But that's my intro. How are we doing for time? <laughs> Can everybody hear us? I, I don't know what time is anymore. I'm going to check some comments. Make sure. Make sure. I don't, if I don't believe in time since March. If you're listening on Instagram and you're wondering why this is all weird and tilted, go over to YouTube and you can hear us better. And thank you everyone on YouTube for tuning in. And if you can still see me, Oshin, stop blocking me. What are you doing? And, and if anyone's on Facebook, we're not live because I can't get the page to load. That's all right, never mind. Technology is against us now. Yeah. On the plus side, we have technology with us for various things. We are doing a death series coming soon. We're going to have a promo that was beautifully you, shot. Well, it's a promo for Candid Tales. The, um, the death series began with this last podcast that was released, which is the death of Kuro and McDara. So it's not really coming soon anymore. It's <laughs> it's underway. The video I was talking about is coming soon. The video oh, just shot. Inspired by. Inspired by the death series. That's coming right. a very special edited video coming special soon. Video. Simon O'Neill, a beautiful cinematographer, 
came along and cl collaborated with us and we're very, very lucky to be listening. Very cool uh, and co-written piece that we put together. It's basically all kind of health related. So stay tuned, we'll be releasing that very soon. And this was uh, a kind of inspired by looking at winter, everything dies in winter, death rates go up in winter, everything about Ireland kind of just seems to die for a while. And yet the whole, as you said, Zerika, there's a whole kind of series of stories that are death stories because we have epics that are, I don't know, is how we get remembered, right? Yes. Um, the death stories, it's one of those kind of interesting little things about Irish mythology as how it might have worked as a religion was the telling of certain tales at certain times of the year. And uh, the death stories were, well, I mean, we know the Tawn is, is a midwinter story, the Ulster cycle, which is why we tend to, to tell it in November when days are dark. But uh, yeah, death stories are also kind of an important genre. And um, it, again, it was, people did things a little bit differently back in the day. So you wouldn't necessarily tell all of the stories of the of the Ulster cycle at one go and then all of the stories of the mythological cycle in one go, you would tell voyage stories or death stories or um, birth stories and kind of group them in a different way. So this one, we particularly are focusing on the, the Ulster cycle, um, not just deaths of Ulster people, because Connacht people were significant in that as well. <laughs> The Ulster Cycle predominantly, so I kind of associate her with that series yeah, of and, stories. And in the Mayo Town and in several other things. things. But, but yes, 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 she's she is the um she's the main antagonist in the Ulster Cycle, I suppose, depending on which perspective you take. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And well I, I guess I was very excited by this one because well we've been talking about how we found it quite different, changing from live shows and focusing on podcasts. And the, the live element of telling stories is really going to change when you go back into telling stories into a mic without the audience response. And Oshin, you are our producer, our magic maker, our music maker, our man behind all of the things that we do most of the time. Uh, you've told stories live with us plenty yeah. of times. And this is your first time telling a story on the podcast. Can you tell us what the difference is like? Absolute nightmare. <laughs> like as as we always say, a story is a teller and a listener. You know, yeah. and when when you when you don't have somebody to listen to, it's it's very very difficult to to tell the story because we don't script. So you know, you're trying to you're 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 telling a story and it's supposed to be a flow and it's supposed to have a beat and it's supposed to have everything else, but it's like either into a screen or it's into an empty room or if you're me, you cheat and you invite friends over and you tell them the story. <laughs> that was That's a good way of doing it. Yeah, and, 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 and what's weird is like when I do the music uh, for certain stories, especially if we haven't done a story live, um, I kind of, lately, I just, just kind of visualise doing a story upstairs in the Harbour Bar. Hmm. You know, and I just kind of close my eyes and pretend I'm kind of sitting there, and you know, you know, you kind of get used to the the, the familiar faces around the place, and I kind of put my head myself in that headspace, but I wasn't able to do that for the Kuroi story at all, and I got lost in a sea of facts and tangents, and I was like, oh, hang on a second, it's actually supposed to be about the death of Kuroi mm. and. Another coincidence, or maybe not coincidence, this is one of the first stories that you sent me, Circuit, um, a recording of ahead of her story, but we did it as Blonnet. Yeah, yeah, I've always told it as Blonnet's story. Yeah, and um, you sent me a recording and we were going to do it for the festival, so it was one of the first ones yeah, I ever yeah. just heard, heard a story and and uh, did that. But also it changed, it, it, the, 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 it changed at her story from the yeah, telling yeah, because yeah. We, we it was told and it's written as don't trust women yeah uh, yeah because they'll stab you in the back and they'll betray it and that's, yeah. a, that's a common theme actually going through a lot of stories there's a whole bit in the next story that we're going to be doing that that's 
that basically the the, the main guy's uh, assistant is like, don't ever tell your wife the truth. <laughs> well, you know, because so you touched on a very important point there. Like, the, the, the cultural context of this story, when it was told initially, was to warn men not to trust women because they'll betray you. Even though the well, story is quite definitely about a man. I I wouldn't say that that's the cultural context of the story as it was told originally, because we don't know the cultural context of the story as it was told originally. <laughs> yeah. When it was written down and when it was told originally are are sometimes separated in Irish mythology by thousands of years um, or a definitely centuries. We don't I mean, I don't have a good sense of how old these stories are at all, but certainly the the way that it was written down was as a a, a story a, like great men need to be careful not to trust women because women will screw you over. Not maybe don't abduct and rape people because they might not be very happy with you. So just... Oh, that, was, that, wasn't even a, that wasn't even a consideration. It's like, oh, hang on, what? They don't want to be abducted and raped? What? 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 Oh, no, don't push it. Yeah. I'm getting three what cows do women want? and you're one. <laughs> so hang on, Sorica. How can we ever... You, uh, you've always told us from Blanid's perspective and I guess, again, in terms of the building blocks of the story, the way we beat out stories and live uh, or perform them live and, and find a flow and find a kind of a, a way of telling the interaction between the, the audience and, and the telling and, and all of those beats that you find within it that you don't quite know how to phrase something, it's not completely scripted and that's one of the reasons it's so hard to tell it at, into a microphone when it's not fully scripted, unless you do, and then you lose that little element of, then you feel you, you might be reading it, and it loses that kind of ethereal magic that kind of lifts you out into a story, I find anyway. Even though I sometimes am guilty, you know, these days of scripting a lot of my stories, and kind of looking away from the page, looking back, and because I find it difficult to just s oh. simply... Um, do we lose Sirica for a moment? She was frozen there for a little while. We did lose Sirica. Okay. Well, I know from my point of view, what happened was, um, first of all, I told the story. Uh, I used the Zoom. So yeah. I, I, I sat, sat in a room and I told the first part of the story as I had it in my head. Because you know yourself, you can have it in your head, but oh, yeah, until yeah, you yeah. actually say it out loud... It's it doesn't work. It's 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 you know it, yeah. words flow differently in 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 the in the world. Than and I heard you doing things that I do, which is kind of that yeah, making but, up the yeah, uh, adding yeah. too many things, yeah. running into and descriptions, repeating a, repeating a description, which works great in a live show because you can go like and this and this and this and this and you get a bit of energy with it and, you, and yeah. flow. But on a podcast, you don't you, you definitely don't want to be doing that because it just gets samey. And there's a there's a weird difference between flow and perfection. You're always trying to you're trying to balance it up, aren't you? You're like, okay, yeah. I want to get into the flow of the story. And in live shows, you know, a little trip there or here, you know, it doesn't really matter because it's the you know you're 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 building it. You're you're exchanging that energy with the audience. Yeah. And then you don't have that, and all of a sudden it has to be perfect because you can't have the flaws when you're listening to something in the headphones. You know, you've very little tolerance for mistakes. You know, it needs to be all perfect because we're yeah. so used to perfection and something to be delivered that way. So all of a sudden, you're just left out of the. But loop the, other, the other thing as well, when we're doing it live, it's not it's not one person. No. You're, you're telling a story, or you're playing a piece of music, or you're doing whatever. But everybody's there supporting that telling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if there's a trip up, somebody's there to to catch it, and it keeps the flow going. But when you're just in an empty room talking to a microphone. And you trip up, it's just echoing around the room. Well, like, like you, know. you said, I have to kind of tune into pretending that I'm in a live performance. I'm, I'm trying to have to like go back into that muscle memory and try and you know remember that I am speaking to several hundred people who will be listening to this. You know, because yeah. like, as we've said recently, more people have seen listened to our podcast than they've ever seen us live, which is kind of mind blowing. Because we've started as a live performing troupe, and and now we're kind of going, okay, these stories will be listened to over and over again. So that performance and, and the encouragement and people linking in with us is great and it's fantastic to see that but it's just it's, it's a different it's a different type of flow it's a different type of execution and it's it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about the energy the motivation the difficulty mm. you had with it because it kind of shone a light on, on yeah 
it, it's tricky. It's different. It's relearning the same skill, but in a different way. You yeah. know. And, and I was I, the other thing, and I was trying to do a. I I wanted it to be a storytelling as well. I didn't want to do any actual narrate like voices, as such. Mm. Um. So I wanted to speak each of the characters' words, and then I had to very carefully remember tenses. Uh. You know. You don't want to get into that first present <laughs> horrible history channel stuff where you know yeah, 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 he yeah. sits there and waits to nah, nah, nah. Yeah, so there's yeah, a couple yeah. of them just like straight away blip. So I recorded the story in three parts. Yeah. Uh then I transcribed the story in three parts. Then I rewrote this then I fixed the transcription in three parts. Then I re recorded the story. <laughs> you went over yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, sent it to you guys for a bit of feedback. And it was interesting, you were just, all of it, it was just that slightly bit too mono. You know, you were yeah. just like, oh, okay, but like what you found in, in what you did was a lovely lift, a, lo- a few different variations, and then you played the music that was going on probably in your head, as you were saying it. Um, Sorg is now calling me because she can't get, oh, yeah, get on line. It's um, great. Um, yeah. How are you, Sorg? You, you've uh, dropped out on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're on live yeah, here. Yeah, I need you to back into the zoom oh oh tech fail sorry guys uh, we've been chatting away about uh, flow and yeah. all those things I'll talk to you in a sec <laughs> she's gone where is it please bear with us for one moment while we have uh, yeah. the tech fail guys if you're watching this on Instagram it's much better on YouTube there's a whole much better thing going on uh, so pop on over there I wanted to leave this running to to let you know that we're on YouTube uh, and hit subscribe and you know hit the little bell icon and that'll be lads yeah a few more people joining us here we're actually live on YouTube uh, much better sound quality and everything and once Erica joins us we'll be probably editing this little podcast that we put out later on <laughs> they always say that can you turn to me <laughs> there it is looks great yeah we're talking about our last episode episode 73 Two, so three, the death of Kuroi Magdara, which is this, the start of our death series. Hey. Uh, we have Sorica back online. Go over to our YouTube Hi. channel, hit subscribe, and follow the, the chat. So we're back with Sorica. And died. You're back. Everything shut down simultaneously. Oh no. Um, well, let me now. just. Yeah. No, I just need to uh, make sure that. Uh, I was recording this on my end, which also died. So oh, yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, Give me two seconds to start that back up again, and cool. then we should be good. Happy days. Small bit of a tech clip, but we're all getting used to ins and outs of these things, aren't we? God, yeah. the amount of Zoom meetings and rehearsals and team things and stuff like that, it's mad. Um, I will actually do a small plug for the Abbey, who are doing the Abbey Calling at the moment and next week starting on Tuesday I'm very proud to be one of the 50 actors selected in a group of actors reading Patrick uh, Kavanagh James Joyce different poets Evan Boland um, Kevin Barry loads of different writers prose and poems going to people in uh, isolation and people who have been directly uh, well linked in with uh, alone the uh, charity and the Abbey and alone are teaming up to get people engaged with creativity in the arts again Dead. so that's fucking awesome and if people if you know anyone who has been feeling extra alone in the last several months and not been able to see live shows or go to any performances and really kind of needs it well give them a lift go on to the Abbey website and you'll see uh, the link and you can share them and you can book in it's free um, and it's, it's also something you can raise money and offer money to a loan because that's another charity that's very worthwhile so that's my little plug for that Sirica would you do me a small favour and sure. recap us on the story of Kurai Magdara or the death of Kurai because I just want to get us listening back on track with this story sure so Kurai um, just the death uh, Oshin gave us some more context about who he was and what his whole deal was in the telling. Um, he abducted a... It started when he abducted a young woman uh, during a raid by the Ulstermen that he joined in in disguise. 
And then basically when they didn't give him a share of the loot, he kind of went off on them uh, that this was dishonourable and said, I'm taking everything. So he took the magic cauldron and he took the magic cows and he took the beautiful girl. Uh, it turned out the girl was in love with Cucullin and uh, it's possible that the raid had been kind of prearranged for the two of them to get together. She essentially conspired with Cucullin to assassinate Kuroi. Um And this was a more difficult task than met the eye because uh, Kuroi Magdara kept his heart in a salmon or his soul in a salmon so that he couldn't be killed. Um, and it, it ended up being a plan that took a long time to execute. Uh, Blohin, the girl in question, uh, who Kuroi had abducted and taken home and made be his wife, um, convinced him to make a tower out of a piece of stone from every part of Ireland and lured him into the tower at a at a a signal that she had arranged with Cucullin, which was dumping milk into the river to turn it white and uh, tied him down and let the Ulster men in. And he still was a ferocious warrior and he still fought ferociously and killed many of them, but eventually Cucullin killed him. And uh, the poet of Kuroi, who was, you know, loyal to the end to his master and absolutely devastated at his death, his life was spared by Crohor Magnessa because Crohor was a, a great supporter of poets. And he, uh, rather than tell the stories of Kuroi, grabbed Blohin and jumped off a cliff, uh, pulling her to her death along with him. Uh, and also killing the stories of Kuroi Magdara other than the story of his death. So it's it's a kind of a... And as we were talking, just when I got cut off, this was a story that was kind of written down and recorded as, you know, great men fall through the treachery of bitches. And like, you know, that's that's how that was the kind of lesson for the ages was be don't trust women because women are untrustworthy. Not, you know, if you abduct a woman and rape her and hold her prisoner against her will, she might have some feelings about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore all of those. It's, 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 it's don't trust them with your secrets, lads. Uh, yeah. yeah, I wonder when that actually came into the story. Yeah, well, yeah. because there's a, couple of, there's a couple of layers that look a bit suspicious in it, isn't there? Here, yeah, right. Well, now I've I've done a lot of research on Kuroi because he's quite interesting, um, and he pops up in in other mythos. You know, he's he's Koshkai in Slavic culture, and he does the yes. whole sea monster thing thing. Um, and Blonin was, uh, you see, the, the raid was on Fairfalga, as it was known then. But before that, it was known as Tirtangra. And after that, it was known as the Isle of Man. <laughs> and the king was Manon on Maglir, and she was one of his daughters in another source text. And you That's know what happens when you start fucking with two of the Danon women? Oh, yeah. And it's not women. If a woman, and apparently she broke the stories for her as well, where she's apparently associated with breaking the hearts of a load of people, but I couldn't find any of them. And also I was like, shit, just fucking focus on the dead, focus on the dead. Yeah, stop you, you, going into you, you, all of this mad stuff. But there's <laughs> loads of really cool uh, mm. Kuroi stuff, and then apparently there's the whole lost hound of monster cycle. That's yeah. kind of hinted at yeah, yeah. through throughout <laughs> research. You're like, oh, there's a bit of it somewhere. But yeah, this is what I find fascinating <laughs> about Corey McDara is like he sounds like such an epic character. He keeps on, he crops up again and again in the intoxication of Ulstermen. He oh, yeah. imprisons them all in in the um, kind of iron house, and you know, in the champions portion, he's the one who who says that Luke Cullen is the champion, and he, he lays down the law with that. And there's loads of. It, it, parts where he comes up again and again but he seems like a figure and a character that much like Skok it seems to be oh there must be a, more stories there well Kuroi is also interesting in the fact that like he's bigger than Ireland he keeps leaving Ireland and so like you were saying Oshin, he comes up in Slavic mythology as as you know Koshke the Deathless there's, there's a possibility that's even the same kind of figure uh, who also kept his heart outside of his body um, 
and also abducted the beloved of a young hero who goes on a quest to try and kill him. So it's a very, very similar story. But he's he's this he's this wanderer. So a lot of his story doesn't take place in Ireland. And even in the champions portion in in this in the episode that takes place in Kuroi's house, he's not there because he's gone. That's 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 the plot point. You see, that's she's so arrogant that he left Blonnie in there to entertain Colonel Kiernock, Larry Booyak and Kukulin. Yeah. At which point Kukulin and Blonnie decided, right, well, this is how we're going to fucking kill you. you <laughs> well, also in that story, she's referred to as his daughter. Not his wife, which is a, another kind of, you know, interesting one. Um, it's not really ex- like there's a lot of that in Irish mythology where the same names are given to, you know, different people. You've got a huge number of Oliels and Uchies and things like that. So it's not super uncommon to have two different people with the same name. But um, I, I always thought it was kind of interesting to be like, hmm, you know, you're reading Lady Gregory and it's like his daughter, Blaheen. Sorry. Um, maybe, maybe this was a kind of a, maybe she was seen as his kind of foster child or something before he married her. Maybe this would, there was this kind of thing of like, she was under his guardianship after he abducted her. It's never really explained, or maybe it's just a mistranslation or a different version. There's no definitive uh, version of that. It doesn't make him come off less creepy that she's called his daughter in a different story. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't doesn't help the situation. Doesn't, doesn't help. But he's he's kind of he he's positioned as this kind of amazing druid magic warrior type character that has so many ingredients about him that just sound mythic and epic and amazing. And he's off searching for the fear or the what is it the fear, fear fire. For, the fear fair fire fear fair fear fair and go to YouTube if you're not on this already. I'm gonna stop the Instagram page. Yeah, and <laughs> um, that was annoying. Um, but does this mean he like he was going off searching for the meaning, the truth of men? And this is like this idea of going off wandering, kind of going out and finding what masculinity is all about. How what's the noble side of being a man? Now, clearly, his actions don't dictate that he's a very noble man, but he's off. He clearly thought they did. Well, actually, his actions dictate that he's a very noble and fair man if you leave women out of the equation completely. Because yep. he, he pops up throughout, uh, he's in the town on fucking Ulster's side because a giant comes and he's like, no, nah, this isn't fair. I'm going to kill the giant. And then he just fucks off again because he's like, no. Nah. He's like, yeah. you know, he's like an equalizer. He's a judge. Yeah. yeah you know, like reverse sense the, the warriors down to Kuroi. They get to him and it, like, you know, they know that they can't kill him. But he's not being, he's not necessarily a prick about it. You know, no. he, he he was fair until he was, in his head, fair until until he was wronged by the Ulsterman. It's the weird thing is that there was no consideration on his part for women. That's he's looking yeah. for the, the warrior code, the main thing. He has no concept of, um, oh, a woman could be intelligent and have her own thoughts and plot against me and ultimately destroy me and kill me. Which is a really kind of interesting idea for a tragic character. Like if you think of the Greek tragedies, there's all these like exemplary heroes who have one fatal flaw. And Kuroi's fatal flaw is that he forgets that women are people. And so he goes about behaving perfectly honorably and really, really like as a great person searching for the way to be great and good in the world and like a force for justice and an equalizer and a balancer. And he crops up in the tone as well where Kukulin is lying unconscious and somebody says to him, do you want to kill Kukulin and be the man who killed Kukulin? And Kuroi says, no, he's unconscious. That would be dishonorable. And he's like, that's very, very rare. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, that wouldn't be a good, yeah. that would not be worthy of me. to What you take on the like fear far? Um, <laughs> I know you're asking me this because I started ranting about it earlier this afternoon when we were talking about no. this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I no. have no idea what you're talking about. I just kind of thought, do you know what? It's it's really funny. Like it, It's just that thing again of there's nothing new under the sun. Like... We think it's a recent phenomenon in history for men to be going out into the woods together or going to sweat lodges and going on these like men's retreats and going like, what is 
What is it to be a real man? What is what is positive masculinity as opposed to toxic masculinity? You know, that term that men coined in the 70s to distinguish toxic masculinity from uh, positive masculinity that feminists get blamed for now because we needed more reasons for men to be mad at us. Thanks, lads. Um, like that this idea of there's some eternal truth of masculinity that we have to go out and look for um, is clearly something that preoccupied Kuroi. That was what he was doing. He was going out around the world looking for something. And I just think it's a kind of an interesting, um, I think it's an interesting preoccupation for a man in the ancient world to have and for this to be his kind of legacy. And I also think it's just an interesting, um, personally, I think, if you're looking outside for an eternal truth about yourself, you're always going to end up frustrated <laughs> because it's it's the internal work there that is the important work. You're never going to find that stuff outside of yourself. Will you remind um, me of... Sorry, you finished? Yeah, I've kind of come to a conclusion there. No, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it just it just all of that kind of um, work of... What did they call it? It wasn't the was it the Meninist movement? It kind of started, in, I think, back in the seventies with Robert Bly and people like that, um, looking at, you know, because you reminded me earlier of of Robert Bly's kind of retelling of Iron John, uh, which is a Grimm's fairy tale, and that idea of Iron John needing to leave home, going off in the quest, basically having to sever the the link between mother and child, and Robert Bly kind of looks at it as like a young boy having to kind of find his own independence you know sever the link with his mother and and go off into the wilderness in order to to learn to be dependent and uh, independent and not depend on others to go and face challenges that will you know bring out his own inner strength I suppose which is a very interesting uh, you know and he pauses this ex- excellently excellently uh, I very, very much enjoyed that uh, idea of it. I think oftentimes the lack of acknowledgement that you know there is the men's circles, there is room to just bang drums, go into the wild, get your feet in the dirt, dirt, go swim in the sea. You know, find a bit of uh, outlet for the masculine f- form of energy, which is oftentimes uh, can be called toxic if, it, if, it, if it's over aggressive or it's pushed into something that isn't. Uh, you know, used creatively, it can be thrown into abuse. It can be thrown into uh, belittling others, using your power wrongly. Not, not. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have the same problem with that as I have with any discussion of masculinity and femininity, which is the 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 core confusion that people have, where they think that when you say masculinity, you exclusively and only mean men, and when we say femininity, we exclusively and only mean women, which is actually not at all true. If anybody uh, has any understanding of those terms, it's that masculinity and femininity, f- femininity as energies exist in everybody. And that's what kind of makes like that's the kind of thing that tends to frustrate me about discussions of gender and gender essentialism and like what is masculinity and what is femininity? Because first of all, those things are so, so socially constructed. Um, and then second of all, it's like, it's. I think it's really important every time we talk about this to clarify that when you are saying masculinity, you cannot just be talking about men. And when you're saying femininity, you cannot just be talking about women because that's like all of us cutting off our own arms and then saying, look how complete a person I am. You can't fucking do it. Like they're, t- they're you know, it's left, left hand, right hand. It is, it is both or else it doesn't fucking exist. I agree at the same time. I know that, that women and girls and groups of women get together more often, have more, like currently now I, I can just see uh, my girlfriend and her sisters and all of the groups and WhatsApp groups they're in and have so many forms of connection with other women and, 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 and yeah. men don't necessarily do that naturally. Which is not natural at all. That has nothing to do with naturally. That is entirely socially constructed because men are not allowed to express affection to each other in the same way that women are. That's a, that's a societal construct, not a natural human thing. So yeah, there there is a need for um, there is a need for I think you know dismantling the system that tells men that they're not allowed to hug each other 
uh, which is the same system that tells women a whole lot of nasty shit about themselves. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a need for for work to be done there. Sure, and that's where like those sto- the stories like that are kind of and again rephrase reframing this Kuroi story of like looking at someone's devote attention to finding out the truth of man and kind of going also you ignored women and treated them horribly that's it's different not- to that though because first of all he didn't have to go and find the truth of men for all of the reasons he just listed because he didn't need anybody else's help he was a druid he had t- you know he didn't he was a lone wolf kind of character yeah so why he was going to find the fur fire is completely like what the fuck was he doing why you know, he, you know like he had absolutely no no reason to go on a walkabout. Yeah. Uh, I think his dad was pretty fucking epic. Um, Who was his dad? Was that? Um, something, he was another day. Uh, shit, I can't remember. Uh, Slipped out now. Um, yeah, he had it. But yeah, uh, he like he didn't need like, and also he went out on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't meet up with a group of warriors. He went out on his own, joined up with like the Ulster men for the crack to see how they raid, and then saw they behaved dishonorably and was like, "Man, you're your shitheads," you know. So, like he, it's like he epitomized everything that was kind of good about masculine energy, but completely removed any feminine energy from the equation. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was no balance then. No balance. You know what I mean? So it's like he just ends up going. He, he just ends up on this one track. And it's such a weird because like you fall down into this like grey area in Irish myth again, where there's no good, there's no bad. He he's presented as as like a, a ruler, a kind of a, a form of justice, a form of a noble authority, and also does all this horrible, wicked shit. And yet has this kind of yeah. grey area morally. You're kind of like where? And like he's well, such an epic hero as well. At the same time, like. Yeah, but I think that's I think that's one of the real um I think that's one of the really strong points of Irish mythology. Because we have such and I think I lay it firmly at the feet of fucking um of a certain religion that has been dominant in the world for the past two thousand years. Uh this idea that, that of good and evil, this idea of good and evil as fundamentally divisible forces. We were just talking about masculinity and femininity and how I'm like, we can't pretend these are fucking divisible. We cannot pretend that good and evil are divisible. And it gets us into such trouble, moral absolutism. It gets us into such trouble over and over and over again when we say people who do this are bad and that's all they are. And good people don't do that. And people who do that are bad uh, or people who do this are, you know, we've got the good people and we've got the bad people and never the twain shall meet. There's a use of twain there for you, Aaron and Kira. Just threw it in there. Um, like it it gets us into such fucking trouble because then it's like you see it happening. You see it happening over and over again, like poor people, you know, people who are in poverty or people who are uh, getting into criminality or people who get into drugs. It's like the demonization of people in extreme circumstances. And this idea of like, Oh, your behavior is indicative of an essential nature that is either good or evil and it is unchangeable, whatever it is. And therefore, if you fuck up once, I can kill you, incarcerate you, uh, drive you out of society and there's no hope for you ever and there's no such thing as redemption. And I think it's really fucked and I think it has really screwed us on a global planetary level, that mindset. That's my, sorry, that's my very soft opinion on this. Obviously, I'm in that kind of a mood tonight from like very tentative. <laughs> quick. No, you can't because so you can't hear, someone can't hear you, your epic accent because you're not. That's from ages ago. Is it? Yeah. Well, to make sure you can. Okay, I'm going to summarise. Right okay, summarise very clearly. Summarize so, very quick. the difference between right and wrong is only a matter of opinion. And in my opinion, I'm fucking right. Now, go debate that on both sides of the argument. <laughs> you know, you've good, evil, right, and wrong. It's like, and it is literally an opinion. I think I'm right because all of this shit that I've heard from fucking everybody around me tells me that I'm right. Now, unless I'm uh, deliberately going against my nature and deliberately making poor decisions, uh, at which case I would be deemed to be, I'm, I'm going to say, alienated because let's go back to the really old terms for mental health. 
that actually fucking really meant something because you're alienated from society so you don't want to go with the flow so you're yeah, deliberately yeah, yeah. going against it okay if that's not the case then you, you know everybody kind of naturally wants to be harmonious and work together so you, mm -hmm. that's right but that's only if you're uh, surrounded by people who all agree with you now what happens yeah. then is you take a certain country on a certain continent uh -oh. where half of them don't agree with each other and now we can just sit back and watch and see right what happens now when this system actually has to when it hits tip because it's always a democracy at a certain point it's going to be 49.51 so 49 percent of people are fucking unhappy for whatever period of time yeah. until a few jump ship <laughs> a few more and, born yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly so you, you you just end up with this like right wrong right wrong right wrong right whoa 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 stop Chris Rock sums mm -hmm. up brilliantly kind of going you, you can't be right all the time even if you're left and you can't be wrong mm -hmm. all the time even if you're you know right like and like you're all you have to be allowed to be a bit of both some of the time you know, the grey area like we say that grey area is where people well, yeah, this, this idea like because that that lack of grey area that absolutist thinking it that one of the reasons it gets you into so much trouble is because you start then identifying with a group that shares your opinion and you then start to externalize that onto your whole tribe as we are all good and th therefore everybody who's not us is all bad and it just it just gets more and more entrenched and you get more and more into the Jungian projection thing where everything that you don't want to acknowledge about your own shit gets projected onto other people so like they're bad for the, all of the stuff that I'm ashamed of in myself but can't acknowledge and it, it just becomes this ex incredibly destructive um, force in the world I'm against it I don't know if you noticed you mentioned a certain religion and it was definitely a little bit of a, a, a trope thrown in there with and hey we've seen it in maybe a Slavic myth we've definitely seen it Harry Potter uh, this whole putting your soul in an object out there fair play to you JK Rowling nicking stories left right and centre um, and listen we, we, we're we hardly the ones to give anybody any shit about not using original stories <laughs> she she hasn't had a fucking original idea in her life. But that's <laughs> all right. Like, that's fine. Um, most, of, most of them were... Nah, nah, nah. Fuck that. Most of them were, were actually pretty good ideas in the Harry Potter books. It was when she started doing that shit on Twitter and retweeting all the, the worst fucking ideas of humanity that it got a little bit like... Oh, please go and lie down, lady, and leave your fucking keyboard after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, God, God. Now, I do want to just mention the, that idea of the soul being in an object... I mean, being placed somewhere else. Like, first of all, the one, it's the first uh, folktale myth that I've heard, well, not folktale, but it's the first Irish myth that I've heard a soul being mentioned in, bar the... Uh, really? Uh, but sure, the soul is in the head, and that's why they make the brain balls. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that, one, that was a story I told recently. Whoops. Um, <laughs> wait, it's, yeah, one, no, it's, it's one of it's the... It's not it. Go ahead. Yes. Finish your question. <laughs> well, it's one of the first mentions that I, I've seen uh, having a soul because it's it's not something. Okay, there was a chopping off your your life afterwards. Maybe I rephrased it in terms of like living afterwards. But it was there wasn't a heaven situation. Having a soul is oh. a very Christian thing. You know, it's not a it's not a Christian thing at all. Having a soul is is all is one of the few things that is universal to almost every religion. Yeah, it's um, an ego thing. It's a. It's also like it doesn't necessarily imply the existence of an afterlife. Um, a soul. A, no, it does not. Um, a soul is this idea. Like it can be as simple as as an animating force. It is a spark of life. The idea of the soul being something that is, uh, you know, egoically yourself that then goes to heaven or to hell is the Christian version of that idea. But that's a, a, the idea of a soul is um, near universal in spiritual traditions. Whether that soul um, kind of dissolves back into the bigger universal soul or whether it is reincarnated or whether it goes somewhere else or whether it evaporates, that that's where they all wildly diverge. Um, but I think it's an interesting question to, to think about afterlife because... Um, the big preoccupation for these heroes, and we'll see it again in the rest of the death series, is not 
living a long time. It's it's dying gloriously enough and explosively enough that the story will be told because that's the way that you live on is through the stories that are told of you. And that's Which I really so, like. But that's what's so tragic nearly at the very end of the Kuroi story is that his bard jumps out the window with all the rest of the end of the story so you don't get to hear any of them. And like that's a double murder. Like, yeah. you know, he's killed which twice. Is a, yeah, which is a really interesting thing as well because the bard, like, he lets his his uh, desire for vengeance trump his duty to his master like his duty to his master and what Kroor Magnessa asks him to do is tell them the story of Kuroi he's dead now your your whole fucking job my dude is to tell us his story and keep him alive forever and what does this guy do he grabs your one and mows her off a cliff so he he's so his his desire for vengeance I mean I think this is also a, a cautionary tale about, against you know getting too close to your personal bard because if, if he's that, that sad, sad when, when you're dead, dead when you die, die. <laughs> then he, he, he commits suicide, suicide. Yeah, I'm sure you have a backup bird. <laughs> right? Yeah. back up you know all your recordings keep him in the google tower make sure he's there safe yeah yeah save, save your bird to google drive yeah. uh, google, yeah. google tower the mythical google tower, tower. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah the mythical yeah, yeah, tower have a couple of words but the other thing is do, do, like we the word soul is is used. Um, I used the word soul because it was in the source that I found or whatever. Yeah. But it, that's more than likely been translated from something that didn't quite mean soul. Mm. That, and that's the that's the fucking like whole we always, philosophy you know, of, tran- of translations. You know, we you don't quite have a word that again it's coming from old Irish. So yeah, quite possibly right there isn't. And it's. Old Irish that was transcribed from an older story that had been around for who knows how long. Um, the, Gre- the Lady Gregory ones are cool because they're kind of anti-Christian. They're very mm-hmm. pagan because Lady Gregory and Yeats were kind of devout pagans and yeah. actually distributed versions like because the, the the church distributed versions of the stories to the schools, oh. edited, and then. There, nobody ever proved that it was Gregory and Yates, but somebody then, it's particularly the Ocean and Patrick one, but yeah. somebody deliver, then distributed a pamphlet with the actual ending of the story, which is pagan versus Christian debate around Dublin at the time uh, when they were doing it, because it was quite fresh translating. The, the versions of those go back to like the 7th century, though. Of the, the different versions of the Oshin and Patrick story. The one where he converts to Christianity and the one where he says, no, fuck off, I'm going to go find the Fianna in hell and bust them out. Like, they're... Stay on top of it. Oh, yeah, well, like, you know, they, that, those guys have been editing stuff since, what, when did they start? 2020 years ago? 2020 years ago, just yeah. about. But what, 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 so, look, looking at the story as it was told, because we don't know what the death of Kuroi or how the death of Kuroi, because that's what we're talking about, uh, how that was socially or what construct, construct it was under when it was being told in the oral tradition, because no one fucking knows. And then it was written down, and there was this weird ending put on it. It was a weird construct of basically, as we talked about already, don't trust women. And it was a very not like we look at it now, and every time we've told it live, you've told it from the perspective of of uh, the the woman Blanet. No, yeah, Blanine, Blanine, Blanet, flower, Blanet, or Blahine. Yeah, I always depending on your version or Blanine. Um, and and then that that now just reads and just sounds terrible, and everyone just goes, "Wow, what the fuck?" Mm -hmm. Because now I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's it's a sharp contrast between the then and the now of what are kind of social tastes and how we can actually put up with moral ambiguities and strange uh, moral kind of endings to something that's really being forced upon us. We hear that now and we go, "Whoa, that's really wrong." Leaving it open and ending it like you did, which is a sad tale that the stories have been like ruined and not passed on because we've lost that because of uh, the venge-filled bard, as it were. But the story that we tell now, without really realizing it, is encoded with our own social biases. Because oh, no, I'm very aware of that. <laughs> All right. I mean, we're encoding. 
putting it with our own social biases. Everybody, everybody in the world is biased. Everybody is is extremely biased based on their own culture and their own uh, the the cultural waters that they have grown up in, and part of the part of what we do with the storytelling, and part of what some of us have consciously done from the beginning with the storytelling, is recontextualize those stories so that they are meaningful today. And so that they raise questions that are interesting to us today. Um, and I think, I mean, I've I've been on that. Yeah, definitely since the beginning, um, because I think there's so much in those stories that is worth keeping. And also there's so much in those stories that I, I like, you know, that we like to uh, reframe and uh, recontextualize. And, uh, you know, because you could absolutely tell the death of Kuroi story with that ending about Blaheen being untrustworthy and you could you could just you know skate over the fact that she was abducted you could make her sound out like a, a a woman who had agreed to marry him and had come and had decided to assassinate him for no good reason that's absolutely a telling that you could do if you wanted to tell it that way um I don't <laughs> but like that that's one of the that's one of the the wonderful things about retelling old stories is that you get to choose what in them uh, do you want to, to keep and what in them do you want to highlight and what in them what is your perspective on them and what do you want to transmit through them? I mean, of course, it's it's very interesting to see the the the, the world that we live in and whatever biases and society that we learn to operate within are constructed by the stories that we get told and we tell ourselves. And that's what I find fascinating about the more that we look into and research and, and talk about stories, the more amazing it is that w- the stories that we're telling are also constructed by the the world that we're living in. And they're, you know, currently myths are being created without really fully understanding how they're being made, uh, you know, mm. as well as, as you know, the, the current ways of linguistics and folk, and folk tales and beliefs that are like, percolating and being told and spread around and they're, they're memes now they were stories once upon a time now they're becoming different uh, they're, you're transmitted in different ways you know it's a riff yeah everything's a riff yeah. or a hook bumper sticker you know <laughs> yeah. half a haiku <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know like your misquoted sarcasm is the lowest form of wit yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, get the highest form of intelligence if you finish the quote. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we, once you meme it, you lose half of it. You do, and you lose half of the context of these. Who I, what was the one I found it recently? Was Jack of all trades is master of none? You know, the second half of that. Oftentimes better than the master of one. Yes. Wow. Lovely. Good. Entirely, Entirely reverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Made me feel a lot better. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but as society, like, when you think about, it, like, everybody sitting around when they were telling these stories and, you know, it's fucking freezing, it's cold, it's winter, they're bored. Like, especially Norse mythology. I love my Norse mythology. Yeah. It, like, it just gets like really, really, really epic, really, really, really quickly, and then a giant wolf will come in and eat the sun or something, or eat the moon, and you're like, okay, I can see where this was going. But within the Irish mythology, they just sort of um, glance, like there's a bit of that, and then it stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like we're big up this much, but then. Doof. Mm-hmm. Because there, all there always seems to be this very capable human aspect, and it's very relatable. Whereas, like sometimes the the Greek myths and the Norse myths have like these gods that are just so powerful that like, you couldn't touch them. But their society, their society was probably a little bit more um, worship based. No, communicating more integrated at mm-hmm. that stage because transport had gotten easier and stuff like that. You know, just general tools had improved over the thousand years. Or whatever amount of time. So what I'm thinking is that, like, as as we, what I've seen now is that as as people are on social media essentially all the time, they're communicating with each other, and the more people that communicate with each other, the more people realize, oh, okay, right, we all have the same problems, mm-hmm. um, or we all we we think very we think very similarly. You know, it's yep. one of those things. Like we all like, no matter where you go in the world, the, the sound people make when they laugh is the same. And the sound yeah. that people make when they cry is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
babies all make the same sounds before they learn the language. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you take away all of the bullshit in society that's going on, and I think we're seeing a lot of this now with social media, especially especially the, the, the younger generation of people that are on social media all the time. Somebody comes out and says something, and it's very, very, very... There's no hush-hush. You can't fucking, like, oh, the priest would never do that. You know? Yeah. Oh, this member of society would never do you that. Can't like, fucking fuck do that. you. We're going to Charchesco you through the fucking streets for three days, and you deserve it. Public shaming. Good luck. It's, uh, and, and that's... Um, we're going to get rid of book Shantaram. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yes. that's, that's how they, they, they dealt with somebody acting the fuck in the slums, was they, they basically brought them out, publicly shamed them, yeah. and then ostracised them for a, a period of time. Where my brother lives in Guatemala, he was watching the other final from Guatemala, uh, but like, you they said. tie people to trees uh, in, the, in the village if they, they've, they beat them up and tied them to the tree, and that's the kind of way to like do it in the, in the village, not send them off to prison where they'll probably become a criminal and enrolled in some form of um, well they get absorbed into a gang in Guate so like yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. it's exactly. a much more destructive thing to do yeah yeah so they, they know um, that if they can internally re- resolve it uh, it's a different mm. form of doing it it's not exactly uh, to our modern first world well it's a you know we've often talked about Breton law and the idea that Ireland functioned for several hundreds if not even thousands of years with it, with neither prisons nor police you know, it is it is a thing that can be done uh, and can be very peaceful and can be very functional because that was a that was a law that was created by the people and was agreed on by the people and practiced um, daily, daily by, by Bretons who were educated in it. it. But, uh, but uh, to go to, go to, your, to your point, point about, about and actually, actually all, all of the Breton law was encoded in stories and transmitted through storytelling because the, the Brehans were, the, 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 were the storytellers that they were filled, which is takes us back to the importance of storytelling in the modern era. And I think you wanted to say something about that, Aaron. Yeah. So last week we put out in our email our monthly email, which we did for the first time in eight months. Our biannual monthly email. We. Nothing um, happened. <laughs> to be yeah. fair. We had no live shows to tell you about. We had no live shows. It was just but, like the podcast is where it's always been. Fucking um, leave us alone. We've been working quite hard on putting together an online how we, we, we've taught my streets. We've taught various workshops. We've taught groups. We've done workshops in schools as well. And we finally decided to put this online. How we have A, taught each other and other people within Candle Tales the art or the arc of storytelling and we're going to do a six-week course uh, starting in January on the 9th it's going to be online it's going to be on Sunday it's going to be at 3 p.m. Irish time and we're going to do it over a series of well inter uh, interactive game-based learning iterative learning so you're constantly going over same similar stuff and getting better and better at storytelling the oral building tradition, building it is a, what we've a process before. that builds upon itself exactly and we'll be looking at Irish myths and how we integrate them into the way of storytelling. And this is going to be good for people who are interested in just speaking, telling stories at dinner tables, giving presentations, having to give work conferences, anything online. It will just help uh, build confidence and help. I, I've taught this course once overline uh, with a different group and it's just amazing to see the confidence in people uh, straight away. So we'll be releasing uh, the... Uh, content on our social media tomorrow and if you want to inquire about it let us know DM us and the price for the course is 300 euro or if you book before the solstice the 21st of December if you're listening to this now you get 50 quid off there you go that's my sales pitch boom there you go yeah book before the 21st of December 2020 which we don't want to think about anymore Uh, great for teachers well, all the teachers are very over. interested in um, So, yeah, that brings us to the very end of this. We've started the death series. This is the death of Kuroi, Hosho Chat, done and dusted. The uh, death of the, what's his name? Kappa, I don't know. Um, Kelt Karma Kelt Karma Trigger warning, lots of dogs. 
There are so many good names in that one. Yeah. What's yeah. the best McDadad oh. McDara is the best one. Who is the brother of Kuroi McDara? Exactly. Kangangnus McDadad McDara. And we're very excited to be telling the stories, the death stories of these heroes, these characters, because this is how we keep them alive. And we have a very interesting promo uh, for Candlelit Tales shot by Simon O'Neill. Check it out on our socials coming very soon. And uh, keep it candlelit. Yoo-hoo! Uh, thanks for tuning in, those of you who did. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the Candlelit Tales podcast. Bye, bye. Next time, guys. bye. Bye. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales. And for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for kids. Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get out to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We love to hear back from you with any of your comments or questions. You can contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below because what we really want to do is get these stories out there, share them with as many people as possible. And so anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we really appreciate you listening.